Hi folks, thanks for tuning in. I'm Greg Boyd, uh, Senior Pastor of Woodland Hills Church. I mentioned to you last week uh, about this Sustain campaign. I have trouble saying that actually, Sustain campaign. Uh, we should have come up with an easier word, but uh, it's what it is. This is the uh, campaign where we're inviting our parishioners to help sustain the ministries of Woodland Hills Church. So every contribution goes to helping out everything we do. There's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool ministry uh, God-glorifying stuff, and it includes our, our, our capacity to make available for free all of our sermons. I mentioned that uh, we have a group of people who have pooled their resources together uh, to pr- become matching donors so that for every person, every person who signs up, regardless of what their, their commitment is, there's an extra $160 put into the offering. Uh, we had a person come up this last week and make a contribution uh, in this matching donor fund so that now the matching fund is $225. So even if you pledge $10 a month, for example, it's worth $225 more. So far, we have had responses from all over the world. We've had uh, people uh, joining the Sustain campaign from India, Australia, Switzerland, Taiwan, all over the place. It's beautiful. 77 folks have signed on so far. Our goal is to have 150. Uh, So we've got a ways to go. This is going to be going on for two more weeks. And so could I ask you to prayerfully consider uh, being a part of this, helping support the ministry of this church? As an added bonus, I mentioned this last week, we are offering this uh, t-shirt. It's gimmicky, so what? Cheesy, yes. But on the other hand, it's a Podrishner t-shirt. It says Podrishner on it. It'll be the first time in history that word is being in print. I'm told that it's, being, uh, it's a candidate for becoming an official word in the English language. And if it does, you will have the once and for all, first in history, Podrishner t-shirt. It's an honor to partner with you on every level and any capacity to further the kingdom Uh, to see his work done on earth as it is in heaven. So God bless you. Keep tuning in. See you later. And welcome Greg Boyd to the stage with his hair kind of normal. Is this normal? This is totally normal. What do you mean? It's totally normal. Here, Mary, will you help me put this stuff up here? No, what are you doing? You're destroying everything. You're ruining this church. (laughs) What do you want? Put that at the end. There you go. Well, I didn't want to cut it all off. I mean, one wants to have a little hair, so I'm still... Okay, so I uh, did the movie this last week, so that's why I got a haircut, a little clean shave. And some of you thought I was going to go back to my old clean-cut look, but no way. I have a little bit. I'm going to play with it a little longer. So there you go. It's hot. This is February in Minnesota, and it's not supposed to be hot. This is wonderful. I'm, we're all fans of global warming here, aren't we? I, I think we should just lock in this, this, lock in this winter and just kind of replay it at least till, for the rest of my life. Uh, yes. This is nice. Yes! Yes! Move to Alaska if you want cold winters. It's like a rushing mighty wind. Yeah. All right. All right, folks, we are studying Colossians. And uh, we are in no hurry to get through this. We've been hovering on these same five verses for a couple weeks and may go for a couple more. I don't know. Stay. I'm going to get to him later on. Um, but we just like to we take breaks to do series and stuff, but uh, we like to get into the Word and chew on it and digest it and internalize it, be transformed by it, right? Uh, not just skimming along the surface, we like to get into the depth of it. And, um, and so we're, we're chewing on these five verses, Colossians 1, 24 through 29, and I'm telling you, it's just uh, been blowing me away. I, I love to do this. this is, I, I live for this. And then to be able to share it with you guys, I'm the most blessed person in the world but uh, So we're unpacking these glorious mysteries of uh, the hope that we have in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, we will, at the end of this message, hopefully, I think, be able to have a few minutes for questions and stuff. 
So if you uh, would like, have questions, would you, can we put the number up on the screen? You can text in these questions, and uh, we'll get to as many as possible. If we have, are we, we, are we going to have that? Do we have any? Uh, well, so at some point, I'm, I'm trusting that a, a number is going to appear on the screen, and uh, that's the number you want to text in. Maybe it's on the, on the, uh, maybe it's on, on the bulletin. Is it on the bulletin? Uh, maybe I'm just in the wrong church. This is Woodland Hills, right? I, uh, it happens. So hopefully we'll have questions. And if we don't have texting, then we'll just do like we did last night. We just take it from the floor. That's kind of fun. We're sort of informal around here. Uh, before I even get into this, I want to just share a quote that I found this last week. I tweeted on this. Um, and I just randomly shared it last night. And then all of a sudden it kind of worked its way into the message. So I'm going to share it again this morning. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. I love it. That just captures it. We are to be uh, in our own unique ways, with our own unique personalities and talents and all of that. We are a distinct reflection, refraction of, of, of Jesus Christ. And, and the process of discipleship is growing into that. Um, and, and, and we increasingly look more like Jesus and think more like Jesus and love more like Jesus and serve more like Jesus. And that's how we're formed into the body of Christ. Uh, we, we become a corporate version of what he was in his first body. Uh, this is what it's all about. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. We're entitling this message, Continuing Christ. Because we are, we'll see here, the continuing work of Christ. Colossians 1.24. Now I rejoice, Paul says, in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking, hysterema, what's deficient, this vacuum in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. We spoke about that several weeks ago. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Not some partial watered-down thing. This is the fullness of the word. And that fullness is about the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. We saw last week that that's means it kept hidden from the history of the angelic realm, the ages, and the history of humans, the generations. It's been kept secret from everybody, but it's now been disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Glorious riches of this mystery. And it's all about Christ in you, the hope of glory. What we're doing right now is just unpacking some of the glorious riches of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above. That's what I'm doing right here. We're admonishing and teaching about the glorious riches of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we do that so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This I mean, we grow up into Christ-likeness. That's the goal of everything. The goal is not to make believers. The goal is to make disciples. And to have people mature. And Paul sees himself as a teacher, as one who has to present sort of what he's done. It's, it's one of the, the responsibilities of, of teachers and leaders is that they have to give an account. And, I, and when we give an account, it's not going to be an account of how many people attended a service. It's, it's how mature were the people that you discipled. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a responsibility. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It's Christ who's working the energy in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I present you in Christ. Christ in me, Christ in you. We are in Christ, the glorious hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Pray with me here for a moment.
Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning, right here, right now, as we've been worshiping you, and, and uh, thank you for every person in this auditorium, God, and every person who's listening through podcasts uh, or through television, whatever that means. And God, I, I just thank you for them, bless them, and I pray, Lord, that you would, for each of us, open our hearts and minds, wherever we're at in our walk with you, I pray, God, that this message would be used to move us forward in maturity, in Christ. Move us forward in discipleship. Move us forward in having Christ formed in us. And I pray, God, that this would be a liberating message that would just, uh, the truth would just dispel all lies and the light would dispel all darkness. And, and God, that, that uh, the, the reality, the full reality of your full word of God and this beautiful mystery that was hidden for ages and generations but is now revealed, I pray, God, that, that, that we could get a glimpse of this. I feel so utterly, utterly, utterly inadequate. Words don't Begin to convey what I have in my heart about this. But Lord, will you just take it and, and you're sufficient. And you can, if I belt, you'll use it to, to communicate your word. So God, we just surrender it over to you. And, uh, and say, have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Everyone say, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name. Okay, this message is going to be uh, theologically intense a little bit. Whenever you get into the full word of God and start getting into the depth, it, it requires something of us. And you got to work at some of this. So get, get ready to work a little bit. Um, and I want to start by reviewing some of the stuff that we covered last week because it's not the kind of thing that you can expect to go over once and, and have it and understand it and have it internalized. So we'll review a little bit and then I'm going to unpack three aspects of the glorious riches of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And they are glorious and they are rich. When I first became a Christian back in 1974, um, the gospel that I was given and told to share with everybody was something like this. You can escape the rapture. I mean, you, you can be raptured and escape hell. Remember the whole rapture thing in the 70s? You, you can be raptured and, and not go to hell if you will believe what I believe. And in the case that I, I was in this church that believed you know, a lot of distinct things, but you had to believe in Jesus and be baptized right in a number of other things. But uh, it's about escaping hell and about getting raptured. Um, I think that in one form or another, that is the kind of gospel that most people uh, think that Jesus came to bring. When they think of the gospel, it's, it's a gospel of you can escape hell if you will believe what I believe. You'll put your trust in Jesus and believe in the Bible and some other things. In, in its minimal form, it's, it's sort of the, the pray the sinner's prayer. And it really is a get out of hell for free card. You know, it's a, if you sit, pray the sinner's prayer, here's your card, you got your fire insurance. That's, that's what it is. And that's what salvation is, saved from hell. It's a sort of cheap fire insurance. Now, there's, there's some truth to this. I mean, when you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, and I mean genuinely surrender your life to Jesus, which is different than saying a sinner's prayer. If you genuinely surrender your life to Jesus, you ought to never worry about hell again. So there's that much truth in it. But as we've been unpacking the glorious riches of this mystery that was hidden for ages and generations but is now revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory, as you unpack the glory of this, um, you begin to see that, that that fire insurance gospel falls about a trillion miles short of the beauty of the full Word of God. It is, in fact, really little more than an Americanized, consumer-driven, watered-down, cheapened version of the full Word of God. In, in this passage, Paul says, I presented the Word of God in its fullness to you. Not this minimalistic, watered-down version. And that, that full Word of God is about the glorious riches of a mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed. And that, that mystery is the hope, the, 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 the Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
The hope here that Paul is, is, is sharing is not the hope of escaping hell. It's the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and there's an infinite difference between the two. And whereas the hope of escaping hell is strictly about the future, the hope of Christ in you is something that's present now. It's a hope that we have now, and it's a glory that we have now. It transforms our life now. The cheapened, Americanized, consumer-driven, watered-down, get-out-of-hell-for-free card gospel leaves people unchanged. But this gospel, the full word of God, if it gets on the inside, it revolutionizes everything. It just changes us from the inside out. So last week I started to unpack some of the glorious riches of, of this mystery. Uh, where, you know, this, we have to remember that these verses we're looking at here come on the heels of, of uh, this marvelous hymn that we studied some months ago, of, of, which told us that Christ is the purpose for all of creation. Everything is from Christ. Everything is for Christ. Everything is by Christ. He's, he's, the, he's the goal of everything. What we've been seeing as we're unpacking the glorious riches of this mystery is that part of what that means is that God from before the foundation of the world planned to become one of us in Christ. And from before the beginning of of creation, God planned to unite himself with us in order to incorporate us into himself. That was the plan. That's the objective. God is, as we said last week, perfect Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and this perfect triune God. It's perfect fellowship. And the plan from the start, from all eternity, the plan was for the triune fellowship to open themselves up to us and for God to, to, to open up his, his perfect relational being and to envelop us into himself, to adopt us as his children into himself, uh, to, as I said last week, squish us, squish us into his, in, his inner being so that we become participants of the very same love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have enjoyed throughout eternity. That's the plan. God is, 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 is this perfect, loving relationship where the three persons of the Trinity are from all eternity, always giving themselves over completely to one another, dwelling in one another, as we said last week, this word perichoresis, the mutually indwelling of the three persons. There's a total abandonment within the triune God, the celebration of self-sacrificial love towards one another from all eternity. And we are made to participate in that. So that the way that we dwell in God now reflects and participates the way God dwells within himself. He's opened up his his triune fellowship to envelop us. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. We see this reflected in in, in John 17 in Jesus' prayer when he prays, Father, I pray that they may be one in us and and we're one in them. And and, and there's this, he's saying, "May, may our relationship with them mirror and participate our relationship with one another. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so God's triune love is replicated in, in, in us and through us as we participate. We become, as it says in, in First Peter, part, or Second Peter, participants of the divine nature. There could be nothing more beautiful than that. There's nothing that God could offer us that would be better than that. It, it is the best thing possible. We never become God. That, that's pantheism, where, where we are God. We never become God, and that's a good thing because it would be far less beautiful if we did become God. Because then, this is what in pantheism, love isn't the ultimate reality. You can only have love if you have two personal agents who reciprocate love. Uh, and so if we were just fused into God, there'd be no, no relationship there. No, no. We are forever distinct from God, which is why we can now enjoy this love relationship with God. And, 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 we, and we do that by participating in this love of the triune God. So the same love, same love that the Father has for the Son, He has towards us because we are in the Son. The very same love, very same glory, the, the, the same ecstatic 
unsurpassably beautiful triune fellowship is now toward us, right here and right now. This isn't just a future thing. The moment we surrender to it, it's true. Right this moment, you are, as you're sitting here, or parishioners, as you're biking or jogging or doing the dishes or whatever you're doing, you are this this second squished by God into his inner being. You are enveloped. You, it's a bear hug around you. The omnipotent God is squishing you into himself. You are you are swimming in an ocean of God's love every nanosecond of your life. Uh, you have got an infinitely intense love burning towards you. You are the recipient and the participant of a love that could not possibly be improved on in all eternity. This this moment, that is what's true about you. That's our environment every second. Right here, right now, his presence, like pressure on our skin, is pressing in on us. Now, we don't usually see that. We don't usually experience that. But that's not because it's not true. That's just because we're so dull. We're still blinded by the powers of this world, and our seeing and our experiencing is still influenced by this fallen environment. So rarely do we even get a glimpse of this beautiful reality that we've been enveloped into. But it is true. Whether you see it or not, it is true. And the way that we grow in our capacity to see and experience this wonderful reality is by always remembering that it's true and affirming it's true. However you feel, whatever you're going through, whatever your experience, whether you're having a good day or bad day, whatever your, your, the, the doctor's report is about your health, know that this is true. The most beautiful possible thing you could ever imagine is real right here, right now. And that is that the triune God has enveloped you into himself. If you've surrendered to it, the triune God, that you are loved with the same love that God is from all eternity. Oh, it just couldn't be more beautiful than that. And when we get even a little glimpse of this, even a glimpse, that we, you'll immediately see how utterly, utterly, utterly vacuous and empty and shallow this get out of hell for free gospel is. Why would you even be thinking about that when you are right now squished into the inner being of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Uh, it would never occur to you to think about that. No, no, this is uh, no, the, the reality of the full word of God is, is, is uh, so it, it's unsurpassably beautiful. There, you know, at the starting point, there's a place where you warn people about the consequences of living while they reject God. That's hell. Yeah, there's a place for that. But the minute you begin to realize what the full word is, what the full truth is, what this mystery is that was kept hidden for ages and generations but is now revealed, the minute you begin to enter into the reality of that, that, that whole thing becomes long gone. And we're dancing with God. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's all by way of review. Now let's, 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 uh, let's, let's take it a little bit deeper. There's three aspects, of, three aspects of the glorious riches that I'd like to just touch on here uh, this morning. The first one concerns, I mean, they're all just ways that we participate in the, 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 the love of the triune God. First one concerns our participating in Christ's suffering, which maybe doesn't sound all that joyous, but hang with me here. At one point, Paul expresses his union with, with, with Christ by saying, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And he's here drawing an analogy between the relationship between a father, uh, between a husband and wife. The one flesh relationship that God intends for a husband and wife, we have that with the Lord. There's, there's, a, there's a one spirit there. We're joined. We don't become Christ, but there's a union with Christ. And so all that, buying off of this one flesh relationship that uh, he's, he's uh, speaking about here, all that belongs to Christ is now given to us because we're one with him, and all that belongs to us is given to Christ. To Christ. He takes all that we are and redeems it, and he gives us all of himself. 
That's that mutual indwelling that we've been talking about. Everything that belongs to him is now given to us. And that includes Christ's sufferings. Two weeks ago, I talked about how Paul rejoiced that he was able to fill up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ's sufferings on the cross by, by suffering for him. But the deeper truth that I want us to now see is that for Paul, it wasn't just a matter of suffering for Christ. He was suffering with Christ. He participated in Christ's sufferings. He saw in some mysterious way, he understood that that his union with Christ included a union with Christ suffering on the cross. Serving in the kingdom always involves sacrifice, by definition, because it always looks like Jesus. It always has a Calvary feel to it. You can always tell where the kingdom is and where it's not. Not by listening to what people say. That's pretty unimportant. But looking how they live. And, and where there is a Calvary-like lifestyle, a servant lifestyle, a sacrificial lifestyle, well, that's kingdom. That's the kingdom. And so the kingdom always involves an element of sacrifice and suffering. But what we need to know is that when we sacrifice and, and, and suffer for the cause of Christ, uh, we are participating in his suffering on the cross in some mysterious way. So we find Paul saying a number of times, he says, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort uh, uh, abounds through Christ. We share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. And then he says, this is true of all believers. He says, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Holy Spirit, help us to attend to this. We, we participate, somehow participate in Christ's sufferings as a prelude and a prerequisite to participating in his glory. And we'll see the connection between those two things here in, in, in a moment. What it means is that to say Christ is in you, the hope of glory, is to say Christ's sufferings are in you, which leads to the hope of glory. We don't suffer with Christ to help to, to atone for people's sin. No, he does that himself. He's, there's one Savior, and it's him. But we do carry out the work of the cross in this world by replicating and participating in his sacrifice and in his sufferings. So Paul, Paul says that we share in Christ's sufferings. He's not, he's not here talking some kind of poetry or some kind of metaphor. There's something real here. I, 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 I can't pretend to understand it, but there's a real union between us and Christ on the cross. Um, it, it's metaphysical, if you will. It's ontological, if you will. It, it's, it's real. It's not just poetry. So Paul says this, for example. He says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. It's crazy. And he says in another place, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Look at that. See, Paul, the, the union with Christ was so real that he saw the marks on his body, his, his beatings somehow participated in Christ's beatings. And the marks on his body from the stripes that he got, the whippings that he got, somehow echo and participate in the, the whippings of Christ. That's how real this union was for Paul. We suffer not just for Christ, but with Christ. There's a mysterious union that happens there. We're one spirit with him. I can't pretend to understand it, but maybe we can think about it a little bit like this. I, uh, a couple weeks ago, saw on television this, this little report on these conjoined twins. They were, they were joined at the, at, the, at the head. And somehow, this joining was such that when one was tickled, they both laughed. And when one was, was hurt, they both cried. 
They shared each other's experience. So also in some real, real metaphysical way, we are joined, conjoined with Christ. So that what he experiences is ours and what we experience is his. There's a few, there, there's, we're always distinct from him as these two twins are distinct. And yet there's a sharing of, of experiences. We share in the sufferings of Christ. Not only that, but he shares in our sufferings. He shares in our sacrifice. So Paul says, for example, there's a, a time, you know, before Paul was we converted, he, his name was Saul. And he persecuted Christians, put them to death. And at one point, uh, the Lord appears to him uh, in his bright light and knocks him off his high horse. And then Saul says, who are you, Lord? The Lord replies, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, Paul, or Saul, he wasn't named Paul yet. Saul wasn't persecuting the incarnate Jesus because he had ascended into heaven. He was persecuting the church. But the union with Christ is, is so real that to persecute the church is to persecute Jesus. And what his people suffer, he suffers. It, it, it's going on, this this work of the cross is continuing in us and through us. This is one of the reasons why Paul rejoiced in his suffering. He rejoiced. Jesus' suffering was not yet complete. It was for, for atoning for sin, for sure, but it was not yet complete in terms of transforming the world. It had to continue for the kingdom to be spread. And Paul knew it was his privilege to participate as a fellow sufferer with Christ a sacrificer with Christ to see the work of God continuing on in this world. So also we have the privilege of participating in the sufferings of Christ. We're invited to share in his sufferings on the cross. Uh, and, and, and he continues to experience and participate in our sufferings. There could not be a higher honor than that. We get to be conjoined to Christ. Hallelujah. We get to be united with Christ, even in sufferings on the cross. And, and so we got to know that all that we go through, as we carry out the kingdom, whatever level of suffering we're called to be involved in, know that you don't do that alone. No, no, Christ is on the inside of that. Some people who are listening to this message have, have, have sacrificed wealthy lifestyles to be, live in solidarity with the poor. Others have, have, have been called to uh, put themselves in, in harm's way for the sake of the gospel. And there's some people who are going to be hearing this message who have given up the security of an income and the security of insurance and the and security of retirement in order to carry out whatever God's called them to do, maybe on the mission field or whatever. And, and what this message is saying to them and saying to all of us is this. Rejoice in that sacrifice. Rejoice in that suffering. Now, there's a lot of kind of suffering you can't rejoice in because that's just demonic stuff as a part of this fallen world. But when we sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, rejoice. In that sacrifice and in that suffering. Even when it means what it meant for Paul that you're beaten and, and, and put in prison and maybe even executed, rejoice. Because you are participating in the sufferings of the cross. You have the honor of carrying on the work of the cross. And you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And you're not alone when you're going through that. No, your, 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 your sacrifice and suffering is, help, is helping to bring about the kingdom in this world. And it's moving the world closer to the hope of glory. It's, it's not meaningless sacrifice. No, it's, it's, it's infinitely... Uh, it's infinitely valuable and, and, and rewarding. And for all of us, whatever kind of sacrifice we're called to make, if you're a serious follower of Jesus, it's going to involve sacrifice. At the very least, it means that you're, you have to say no to yourself. You have to die to your self-centered living. You have to die to, to, to living to have your best life now. You have to die to trying to acquire all, as much convenience and comfort as you can get. You have to die to all the aspirations of, of the world in order to follow the values of the kingdom and to seek first the kingdom and to carry out the work of the kingdom. We're all called to do that at least. And rejoice when we do that. Rejoice. Because we are participating in Christ's suffering on the cross 
and he's participating in our present suffering, and the work of God goes forward. What a high honor. What a high honor. Rejoice in that. Which leads to the second piece of uh, beautiful aspect of the the glorious riches in this mystery. And that is that when we rejoice in our suffering, we are participating in Christ's joy. Which you should by now expect, because if we're united with him and all that is his is ours and all that is ours is his, well then his joy is our joy. We share in his joy. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that Jesus, for the joy set before him, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The cross wasn't joyful. Uh, it, it had shame. That's why he scorned, he scorned its shame. But there was a joy that motivated him to uh, be crucified. And what was going on is that he was envisioning what his, what his suffering would do. He was, he, was, he was envisioning the joy set before him. He, he could anticipate uh, how his work on the cross was going to uh, bring about the bride. And, and redeem people and free them from the devil's oppression and free them from their sin. And so he was envisioning that, the consequences, the ripple effects of his work on the cross. And he was envisioning how this would all glorify his father because the, the glory of the father, simply the radiance of his love put on display. And it's his love that breaks the bondage of sin and his love breaks the bondage of the oppressive powers and his love that transforms us. So Jesus was seeing that, enjoying that, and that's why he went to the cross. We participate in that joy when we surrender our lives to Christ. We become participants of that joy. The same joy. And so Jesus prayed in John 17, this marvelous prayer that we looked at last week. He says, I am coming to you. He says to the Father, I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still with, in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy in them. The full measure of my joy in them. He's got this joy. Even though he knows the cross is right around the corner, he's got this joy. Because he gets to carry out the Father's will and gets to be used to, to redeem the world. He has this joy, and now he's commissioning them to go out and do the same thing. And so he's saying, I want my joy, the full measure of my joy, every ounce of my joy to be in them. So we, they share in my joy, the joy of being used uh, by God to further his purposes in this world. And so we can experience the full measure of his joy, uh, even in the midst of suffering, when we envision what it will do. Every sacrifice we make for the kingdom, every, 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 every servant thing we do, every Christ-like thing we do, every self-sacrificial thing we do, it has ripple effects that will be played out throughout all eternity. And the joy is knowing that God used us to do that throughout eternity. Enter into this for a moment. Envision this. As we sacrifice for the Making Space campaign, we'll be able to see the ripple effects of that. And so it is for everything we do. We'll be able to enjoy the, every mouth we ever helped feed and every per, family we ever helped uh, provide a home for, every person that we ever helped have clothing, every, every prisoner we ever visited in prison, every person we ever invited into the kingdom, every, every feet, foot we ever washed, you know, every servant thing we've done, we'll see the ripple effects of that throughout eternity. That's our reward, is seeing that. And it will all glorify God because the glory of God is His love put on display. We'll see the glory of God, the radiance of God, and see that we had a role in that. And that's our joy. That's our joy. And when we see, understand that that will be going on throughout eternity, that's, that's the motivator that helps us to release all the trinkets of the world here and now. You know, we only grab onto the trinkets because we, we, we lack a future vision. You know, that's going to be going on throughout eternity. 
And, and what a great investment. This is why Jesus says, put your treasure in heaven. <laughs> you know, when we stop clinging to the stuff right here and now and the security and, and self-protective stuff and having the fancy stuff and we rather divest it all as God leads us in order to further the work of the kingdom, well, well then, see, if we can enter the, the future, see in your mind's eye the implications of that throughout eternity. And you'll be enjoying that throughout eternity. What a, what a great investment. Let go of this silly stuff. It's fading away anyways. You're going to lose it in a couple of hours anyways. I mean, we're all dying. Let go of it now. Die now. Die now. And now you're investing in eternity. Praise God. And so some people are, maybe are called to you buy a, a smaller house than you could have bought because you want to free up money for the kingdom. Oh, look at the ripple effects of that little decision. And a little decision like I'm not going to get two cards because I can get by with one. Or a decision that I'm going to shop at thrift stores instead of the fancy stores because I can free up more money to help. What a great investment. That's pretty smart thinking. You know, because now you're investing in, in, in the, 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 the world that is to come and, and what the joy, the joy that we'll have. I mean, we had a role to play in that. And then the third thing, and it follows right from this, is, is we, we participate in the sufferings. To participate in the joy and to say that we participate in the suffering. And all of this, by the way, is motivated by our, we participate in the love, which motivates us to participate in the sacrifice and the suffering, which then gives us, uh, opens us up to experience the full measure of Christ's joy. And to say all of that is to say that we participate in his glory. Because the glory of God is nothing more than the the radiance of his love being put on display. We, We participate in his glory, the shininess of his, his, his radiant love. And so we, we see this in different ways. Uh, Jesus prays this again in John 17. Listen to this. I've given them the glory that you gave me. He's praying to his father still. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Same glory. It's the same joy he gave, and now it's the same glory. That they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me. Here's that mutual indwelling perichoresis again. So that they may be brought to complete unity. You see what's going on in this passage? He, he's, this is the glory. The glory is the... the when we participate in the unity, we're participating in the glory because the glory is simply the shininess of the unity. It's the love of God. And so he's, he's praying, Father, I pray that they may shine with the shininess that you gave me. Paul says the same thing. We saw this in the passage earlier in Romans 8. He says, if we are children, if in fact we are children of, of, of Abba, Father, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, we share in the suffering that leads to this glory because the glory is nothing more than the radiance of God's love. And when we suffer, we're putting that radiance, we're putting that love on display. When we look like Jesus and serve like Jesus and talk like Jesus and forgive like Jesus, all of that is putting on display the, the, the love of God. And, and that is the glory. So by definition, if we suffer, if we're willing to sacrifice to look like Jesus, then we participate in the glory because the glory is simply the shininess of that. You see how this follows. I, 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 saying that we participate in, in the glory of God probably strikes some people as off. Like, what? Uh, am I right? Some people here, I, someone, I, maybe not in this auditorium, but in the podcast world, someone's going, wait, 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 wait. It doesn't sound right. We participate in the glory of God, the glory of Christ. And the reason that that might sound off to a lot of people is because there's a lot of screwed up thinking about the glory of God out there. I've read tons of theologians and heard a number of preachers, and some of you have too, who speak of God's glory in a way that it could never be shared. God's glory is God's alone. Uh, The glory of God has often been linked to 
that macho image of divine power that we talked about a couple weeks ago. The macho God, the Arnold Schwarzenegger God. And so in that framework, the glory of God becomes the glory of his power. It's the glory of, of, of his ability to do whatever he wants to do. It's the ability to decree what's going to come to pass. It's his ability to control every, everything. So I've read theologians, a lot of them, in fact, who say things like this. God decrees or predestines all that's going to come to pass, including the salvation and damnation of particular individuals. From before the beginning of, of time, God predestines that all for his glory. Decreeing that some people go to hell, it's for his glory. Decreeing, he, he decrees that uh, every disaster that will take place, every earthquake, every disease, every kidnapped child is all for his glory. Why? Because he can do it. He has the right to do it. He's God, and that's, that's his glory. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. It is the glory of sheer might. It's the glory of sheer macho power. It's the glory of the gladiator after he's slain yet another foe. Look what I've done. It's the kind of glory, frankly, I'm talking straight here, but it's the kind of glory that fallen human beings have always aspired towards. And I frankly never have understood what's glorious about it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I just don't get what's glorious about that kind of... of uh, what's glorious about being able to exercise a power that's innately yours? What is virtuous about that? What's praiseworthy about that? You know, I, okay, so here's my guy. This is my little sculpture guy. <laughs> here's my little sculpture guy. And I, 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 I have the ability to squash it. Watch this. <laughs> Now, of course I have the ability to squash it. Because I'm a human and it's clay. It's just sort of in the nature of a human that you can squish clay. So also, of course God can do whatever he wants to do. He's God and this is his creation. He can do whatever he wants. But what's glorious about that? What's glorious about that? I can squish you. Now, if you are the clay guy, if this is you, and I'm saying, do you think I'm glorious? Do you think I'm glorious? You'll probably go, yep. Very persuasive argument. Am I glorious? Am I beautiful? Am I altogether lovely? You'll go, yes! Especially if you've already seen me squish other people. This is frankly how people, how people interpret Romans 9. It's, it's just, uh, you'll, yes, yes. But honestly, human to human here. I, take away the fear factor if you can for a moment. Is, that, is there anything virtuous about that? It's, what, what's beautiful about that? What's, that that's just the, the glory of sheer power. But that's how a lot of people see God's glory. It's a glory that's all his. He's a jealous God. Says, I'm the, I am the almighty one and can do whatever I want. And you can't question me. Or, boom. Now, there's a verse in Isaiah where Yahweh says, you know, I will not give my glory to another. That's true. But he's talking there about idols, pagan, false gods. He's not going to give his glory, his shininess to idols and false gods. But when it comes to humans, God wants to give his glory away. Because his glory is simply the glory of self-sacrificial love. It's the glory of, 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 of looking like Jesus, the glory of God. Well, in all of our thinking, I say this over and over, but we have to always keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he's the one perfect expression of the Father's essence. And, and so we have to define God's glory by looking at Jesus. And when you do that, what you come up with is the opposite of glory, macho power. No, when you look at Jesus, God's glory is displayed when he gets on his knees and washes the feet of disciples he knows are going to betray him in, within a couple hours. That's the glory of God. The glory of God is the way he serves people and reaches out to others and embraces those who no one else wants to embrace. And the 
the, the quintessential expression of the glory of God is when he allows himself to be crucified on Calvary. Because that puts in a, in a most unambiguous way the love of God on display. When he allows his enemies to crucify him rather than calling legions of angels. That's the glory of God. That's the beauty of God. That's the radiance of God. The, the glory of self-sacrificial love. It's the opposite of this macho I can squish you kind of glory. There's nothing glorious about that. Ah, oh, but you look at Calvary and it's magnificent, wonderful. This is the true hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what a glorious Christ he is. And what a glorious hope he is. What a glorious glory it is. It's just, couldn't be more beautiful. It's fantastic. It's, a, it's radiant. God's glory is his willingness to give himself away. And when he gives himself completely away, he's repeating what he does throughout eternity within himself. As the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are always giving themselves away and dwelling within one another. This isn't the glory of the king of the hill. It's not the glory of the gladiator who says, look what I've done. It's a beautiful glory. The glory of a God who's willing to wash the dirty, smelly feet of people he knows will betray him. And see, we are called to participate in that glory. And when we participate in the love of God, which motivates us to participate in in, in the sacrifice of Christ, which allows us to experience the joy of Christ, when we do that, we are participating in the glory of Christ because his glory is nothing other than the beauty of his radiance put on display. And so, and I want to close here and then take a couple questions. Um, the only question then is this. God, you know, God is not this, this clay fashioning, uh, it's a total misunderstanding of the analogy Paul's using to think that he, he, he just fashions everything we say as him doing it, everything we do. No, we're not robots, we're not clay figurines. Um, uh, we are people, and so God's not going to force you to get this. Our, our role in this whole thing is to surrender. That's, that's our whole role. We surrender. Uh, and and, and to, that means that we, turn, we, we completely divest ourselves of ourselves and say, God, uh, I, I, I want to live for the glory of God. This is what it means to live for the glory of God. It's simply to, to, say, to, to open yourself up to this reality that you're already swimming in if you surrendered your life to him and, and, and say, God, transform me by your love, move me by your love, fashion me by your love so that I now will share in the sufferings of Christ and therefore the joy of Christ and therefore share in the glory. And, and, and see, with, with the true glory, and this is my last word because I'm going to take a question, but see, the, the, the macho thing, it, the macho glory is an is a, is a, uh, either-or thing. But the true glory of God is a both-and thing because it's by definition the glory of giving yourself away. So it's not like we're competing with God on the glory. The more we shine, the more He shines. And the more he shines, the more we shine. And that's what will be true throughout eternity. We are, we're, we're dancing in the glory of God. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, uh, do, do we ever get uh, uh, texting coming in? Oh, we got some. Good, good. I hear what you're saying, but I don't feel it because I don't feel forgiven or valued by God. What are some ways that I can feel this more in my life? Excellent. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Here, oh, that's excellent. Uh, the, 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 this is the thing, is that we... If you get a glimpse of how unsurpassably beautiful the, 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 the truth is, that we're right this moment being enveloped by the triune God, it is going to clash magnificently with the way you actually experience life. Because this is the best story ever told. This is, you, you can't get a better story than this. There couldn't be a, 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 you couldn't dream of a reality that's more beautiful than the one I just articulated here uh, th- th- this morning. It's one of the ways I know this is true because no human being could ever make this stuff up. This, this is just too beautiful. 
But the, the more you get the beauty of it, the more it clashes with your reality. With, with, with your reality or the, your, the way you experience reality. It is absolutely, absolutely vital. Here, here's the ultimate decision. This is, uh, this is about uh, uh, how, how, what are you going to surrender to here? You are either going to invest your feelings with the authority to define you, or you're going to invest this full word of God with the authority to define you. What's it going to be? And, and so the way you begin to uh, move in the direction of becoming mature in Christ, growing in tri- Christ, taking on the likeness of Christ, is when you say, um, uh, that is true, despite the fact that I feel so different. Uh, that is true, and, and you, you think it, you envision it, you say it, you live in this daily. It's so important that we are, are, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, like Paul says in, in Romans 12. So vital that we, that we uh, uh, lock in, that this is true. And so we, it, you envision yourself. You know, what, if, if discipleship, oh, there's something coming here. Uh, hang on. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm receiving an email. <laughs> uh, if discipleship is the process by which Jesus, of, of finding what Jesus would look like if Jesus was you. That's discipleship. What would Jesus look like if Jesus was you? Well, at the center of that is, is, is envisioning what would you look like if, if, if Jesus was you. And can you see that? What would it look like if, you were, if your life really did reflect this reality that we've been talking about? And so to begin to see yourself like that and say it and, and live in that and envision that and then to begin to act on that and, and that's how you begin to move in, move in the right, in, in the right direction. And see, all of this is the love of God transforming us, compelling us. You've got to lock it in, despite how you may feel. And as you do that, you'll find out all the lies that are there. By focusing on the light, you dispel the darkness, and you begin to notice the darkness. But if you're not focusing on the light, you'll never see the darkness. It's your normal. Your normal is that stepmother in your head telling you that you're worthless. That's your normal. You've been having that all your life. So it's going to feel weird to think otherwise. But you've got to think otherwise. Otherwise, you're making your stepmother God because you're letting her define you. And so you say, no, you know, let God be true and my stepmother a liar. So despite the fact that I feel worthless, I'm going to start affirming the truth of who I am in Christ and, and, and living in that and seeing that and acting on that. And the more you do that, the, the, your stepmother starts to shut up. <laughs> starts to shut up. You know? See, this is why, this is why, and I, I, this is probably maybe the only question we're going to get to. We'll see. But I, I just am so, I feel like I'm, I, I'm being electrocuted up here. It's like, I, I love that this is... The beauty of this is just too, too, too great. This is why it's so, it, it's, it's just too, look at, this is why this, this model of glory, it's, here's why it's, I'm sorry, I, and I know I'm insulting people, I don't mean to, bless them, they're sincere, wonderful, godly, and, but, but see, this model of, of God, where God's like this, and, and people think that that's going to transform you, live right for God, or, uh, all that does is reaffirm all the sick stuff in our brain. This is this picture of God is my stepmother on, on steroids. You know, my stepmother is like, "Are you going to be a good boy or a bad boy?" Boom! And see that this kind of threat it can change your behavior a little bit. Okay, I'll stop smoking. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll quit going to uh, that, that club or whatever. Yeah, it will. Out of fear, you can change some of your behavior, but it's not going to change you. All it does is it puts a megaphone and all that's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, you just projected your stepmother onto the screen of heaven. No, this, Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ. It's when we get that, 
that the, the law, when we see the magnificence of this glory where God becomes a human being in order to be united with us in the midst of all of our crap, right as you are, if you can see that you're swimming in an ocean of God's infinitely intense love, no ifs, ands, or buts, despite the fact that you got a stepmother screaming in your brain about all this crap and all these lies, when you begin to realize that, well, that changes you from the inside out. That because you begin to see yourself differently, you begin to see God differently, you begin to see other people differently, and then, of course, your behavior changes. But it changes as a consequence of letting God on the inside, on the inside and revolutionizing you and, 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 and revamping everything from the inside out. You'll never get your stepmother out of your brain as long as you got a God that looks like your stepmother. Oh, lock that. Somebody tweet that. You'll never, of course, you know, don't tweet it because it makes absolutely no sense unless you heard the whole sermon. You'll never get your stepmother out of your brain so long as God looks like your stepmother. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you? <laughs> All right, all right. Well, praise God. Uh, the love of God compels us. You guys, the reality, and this is, I guess, what we should expect, because God being who he is, the reality of where we are, if you're surrendered to Christ, the reality of, of, of what is going on right now could not possibly be more beautiful. You couldn't possibly dream of a better story than this one. Which is what you expect because you should expect because we have, God is more beautiful than we could possibly ever imagine, and so the reality of what's going on here is 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 uh, could not be improved on. It's it's the best story that could ever be told, um, and the the whole chore task of life is uh, is to dare to believe that and to internalize that. This is what faith is: have the audacity to say that's true. And, and, uh, and, and the, the, as you walk in that and envision that and pray that and speak that and then act on that, as you do that and it gets on the inside, that's what gets the stepmother out. And it starts to flush out the garbage. And now you're growing. You're going to increasingly look like that. If you can't envision it and can't, can't genuinely believe it, it's, it, it you're, you'll, you'll always be in bondage to the voices of the past, the lies that are in your head, all that pollution. No, no, to, to get depolluted, to get detoxed. You just got to let the full word of God. This is why that cheap, watered-down, consumer-driven, Americanized, get-out-of-hell-for-free card thing is just so, yeah, it can help people turn initially, but, but it's not going to change. It's not going to change you. At least people unchanged. But when you get the full word in the brain, uh, then, then, then uh, it starts to change. Okay, good. I, I think I know what you're asking. So, like, uh, how, we talk about this wonderful, magnificent you know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're in Christ. We dwell in God the way God dwells with himself. We participate. It's all wonderful. What do you do? The, real, the reality, you're saying, is what do you have, if you have this anger for a person who's narcissistic? Because narcissistic people can make you angry. Believe me. I know. Um, uh, yeah, total narcissist. Um, so uh, how, uh, what do you do with that? The thing is, is that okay, how you feel and how you're experiencing stuff doesn't change the truth. Because this love is not conditioned on, on, on how you're doing today. Um, it's not a more, if you're loved with the same love that God has for Jesus, that doesn't go up or down. Oh, you're having a good day. I love you more. You're having a bad day. Oh, I'm, not, I'm taking away some. We, have to, we sometimes think of it like that. It's infinitely intense. And the thing is, if we can really get that on the inside, get that that is true, regardless of how we're feeling or what we're experiencing or how we're falling, that is the reality that will begin to change that in us. 
He burns away everything in us that is inconsistent with his character. If we keep on surrendering to him, keep on. And so I, this is why I think it's so important that, so important. We're either defined by the outside in or the inside out. It comes, it comes down to that. And to be defined by the outside in means your circumstances define you in that moment. And what was said to you as a kid defines you. Your mom defines you. Your dad defines you. Your experiences define So we're defined by outside in, which means that the world is the Lord of our life because whatever defines you is Lord. And so we confess Jesus is Lord, but in reality, my mom's Lord or my dad's Lord or the abuser was Lord or the rapist was Lord or you know, whatever was Lord. But whatever defines you is Lord. That's one option. That's called living in the flesh. The other option is to be defined by the inside out. To say, what God says about me is true, regardless of what has come at me, regardless of how junked up my head is and the bad tapes that I have in my head and all that. And so to make a regular aspect of our life, to be returning to that truth and seeing that truth and praying that truth and speaking that truth. This is what Paul calls you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and, and so the, 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 the rhythm that you have in the New Testament is, is this. God says who you are, so think who you are, so act who you are. You are it, you think it, you do it. Romans 6 is the best case in point, where Paul's, you know, these people are sinning, and, and they're saying, well, you know, let's just sin that grace may abound. And he loves to forgive, we love to sin, what a great deal. We'll keep on sinning, and then we'll give you the opportunity to keep forgiving. Paul says, knock it off. Because it's so interesting how he, how he handles it. He says, knock it off, because that's not who you are. Don't you know that when, when then he appeals to their baptism, which is the, the initiation right into the body of Christ. And so he says, well, you're ba- don't you remember your baptism? You were united with Christ in his death. There's that mystical union again. You're united with Christ in your death, and baptism represents that. So that your old self died, and now you're resurrected in newness of life. Uh, this is who you really are. And then he says in verse 11, Therefore, logizomai. Uh, it, mean, it means, it's, logos means to think. Omai is the middle voice, so it means to think back on yourself, to reflect. Consider yourselves, it's sometimes translated. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Because that's who you really are. Which, this is what's true about you. And, and, and then he, the next verse he says, Therefore, don't yield your, mortal, your members to sin. So here's what's true about you. Spends ten verses doing that. Then, here's how you should think. Spends one verse doing that. Then, here's how you should behave. Spends the next verse doing that. And that's the pattern. And so it's so important that, that however... See, the devil will jump all over circumstances. And he'll ride that in, and, and he'll rip you apart. If you give him an inch on that, you know, you miserable, lousy, failing, hypocritical, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and if we... It's in those moments you have a real important decision to make. Who are you going to believe? Um, and there is a volitional center that we have that is, that is re-empowered when we, when we submit to Christ. We have the ability... To say, I choose what is true. I choose to believe what is true. And to, in those moments, choose. To say, I, my Father, Abba Father defines me. And he says this about me. And then think that. Try to envision that as concretely as possible. Pray around that. That's what's true. I know that this is what I just did. But I'm not going to give that any authority to define me. I'm going to burn that away by turning to what is true. And so over and over again, coming to this. Um, and and see, you know, th- th- that We have an identity in Christ uh, sheet that we hand out. It's back at the hub. Or just kind of lists a sampling of all the things that are true about you. If you are surrendered to Christ, then here's what's true about you. And, and, to, and, and that should be your anchor. And, and the more that gets in, see, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not the fear of God that, 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 that transforms us. That is, that is demonic. 
I, this idea, you know what? If you don't shape up, bam! That will get, you can conform, you can change your behavior a little bit. Okay, I'll quit smoking. Okay, you, know, you, you can change your behavior a little bit, but it won't change you. It won't change you. All, all that does is communicate you're, you're worth smashing. You're smashable to me. So yeah, you'll have the, the extra, so you have a whole culture of people who are trying to crank it out on the outside because they've got this hanging over them. Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ compels me. When, 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 this, when, this, when the beauty of this love, the character of God revealed in Christ, when that starts to get inside, that begins to change you in, in ways that, 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 that this, the Thor God never could. Uh, it begins to just revolutionize you from the inside out. Um, when you begin to really see who God is, and then you really begin to see who you are. You begin to see how wrong your grandmother was and stepmother was and what all the crap that they dumped on you. You begin to see you know, the truth about who you are. That begins to, not immediately, it's transformed by the renewing of your mind. But, but it, it, that, that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, it's Christ in you, pushing you in a direction. Christ in you, changing you from the inside out. Christ in you, changing the way your mind works and your heart works and how you feel and, and, what, and, and what you find attractive and not attractive. It begins to change as you yield to it. Christ in you is moving you in that direction. And that's the hope of glory. It's not the, it's not the fear of Thor. It's the hope of glory. Because it's the hope. It's, a, it's, a, it's the anticipation of the full manifestation of the weighty shininess of, of God's beautiful triune love coming into us, transforming us, shining through us, and that will be going on throughout eternity. And the hope doesn't get any better than that. Hallelujah. I'm going to end in prayer. Amen. Amen. Yes, God, it's, it's, it's just words. No, it's words for it. It's just beautiful. It's just freaking beautiful. It's just... Mm. Okay, one question. What, what do we have up here? I'm going to do, be fast on this. How do I fight joy in, in my fight? How do I find joy in my fight against cancer? Excellent question. Um, you don't, you, there's no joy in the cancer. Uh, and I, I, I don't think the, the, anything in the gospel is telling us to celebrate cancer. Jesus rebuked stuff like that. It's stuff that was not God's will. That's, that stuff, that's part of this fallen, crusty world. I think you find joy in the midst of the cancer by, uh, uh, among other things, um, surrendering the pain of the cancer and maybe the fear and everything about you. He wants every ounce of you, including the cancer. And so take the cancer and the fear that maybe is around that and the pain that is around that and offer it to him uh, and, and, and say, God, use this somehow. Use it somehow. And you don't have to know how he could use it. Just trust that he can. Because when we surrender, and I'm going to say more about this next week, actually. At least that's where I'm planning on doing now. I'm going to talk more about the suffering thing. But now that, part, now that becomes part of the suffering of the cross. He takes the stuff that was just war zone crap, but when we surrender it, it becomes, it becomes something he can now use to bring about his glory, to manifest his love. And so it becomes a participating in the sufferings of the cross. You see what I'm saying here? And, uh, um, uh, and, and then envision, as Jesus did, uh, a few, the future. Live in, live in a, as clear, ask the Holy Spirit to give you as clear and vivid and graphic a picture of your future in eternity um, uh, as, 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 as possible. And, and, and dwell in that, that. That's the joy. To know that whatever sufferings you have now are temporary. It, it, it's going to, I don't know, I, we, we should come against that cancer and pray against it because God's glorified as we can eradicate that. It's a, it, it, you're just putting on display the coming kingdom where there will be no more cancer. Praise God. Can't wait for that to happen. We'll put on display the coming kingdom when all that kind of stuff is gone. But we, we, we do it now. So we come against it. But at the same time, 
know that it's just a matter of time before any of us die uh, in, in, in whatever way, shape, or form. But there can be joy in the midst of that because you know, you know that this is, a, this is a momentary blip in eternity. When we get into eternity, we're going to look back on this little life and it's going to be this little tiny thing. I, I, I sometimes find such joy in, in I future pace uh, about 10,000 years, and me and Jesus are sitting on a chair with a remote control, and we just say, hey, let's, let's watch some videos of the, that, that, that prelude life that you had. And we look at some of the, I look at, you know, some situation where I was all bent out of shape and all control, what's going to happen, the sky is falling, what's going to, it gets so crazy, and, we're, and I picture us laughing our heads out, just laughing, because that's so small. You, know, you, you, were, you were all upset about that, that little thing, you know. Right now, see, the, the bigness of our problems, including cancer, and it's easy to say when you don't have it, um, but, but it's true that the bigness of our problems is the way we experience them it depends on how big of our frame of reference we have. If we have the eternal frame of reference, every problem is infinitely small. Uh, if you're just staring at the problem and forget about this future infinite reference, well, then it's overwhelming. So I encourage you to find joy the way Jesus did. Uh, offer it up to him and future pace and see this present world from the perspective of eternity, where everything is very, very small. Uh, okay, I'm going to close in prayer, and as I do, uh, I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come up here. And if you're here this morning, have any need whatsoever, maybe it's a stepmother in your brain, or maybe it's somebody else, or maybe something else, or financial problems, or whatever, come up here and pray with these folks. Uh, and this is the body ministering to the body. Uh, Father, as... We are getting ready to leave this place. And the pod parishioners are getting ready to turn off their iPods. The person watching television is getting ready to turn off the television. As God, we just want to say, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Which is to say, you are holy, you are just, you are all-powerful. But all of that looks like Calvary. You're beautiful. You're a God who, even before creation, a God who was always giving yourself away. Father to Son, Son to Spirit, Spirit to Father. And now you just manifest yourself to us. You give yourself away. And then you create in us lookalikes, people who find the joy of giving ourselves away. And so we put you on display. Father, as we leave here, help us to have the audacity to believe that. The audacity to live in that. And to live for your glory. Put your love on display. Transform us from the inside out. Help us, Lord God, to have our minds fixed on Jesus, set above where our life is hidden. That we could live out the glorious riches of the mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to us and can be manifested through us as we surrender ourselves over to it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What a hope it is. What a Christ you are. What an Abba Father you are. Thank you, God. Envelop us in your love as we leave this place to shine your light on the world around us. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and dance in his love. In his love.